This podcast is brought to you by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Exam Prep Program. The TSM NCA Prep Program offers internationally trained lawyers courses taught by practicing lawyers in Canada, expertly designed study guides, exclusive networking opportunities with top Canadian law firms, and employability sessions arming you with all the tools you need in order to hit the ground running in your pursuit to practicing law in Canada. To find out more about the program, you can email ncaprep at torontosom.ca. Welcome to A Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind their professional title. This is episode 25. Our 25th guest is Samantha Del Frate. Samantha graduated from the University of Glasgow School of Law in 2017. Since returning to Toronto, she completed the self-study National Committee on Accreditation and licensing exams while working full-time. In 2020, Samantha articled at McCarthy Tetro's Toronto office. While articling, she focused on health law and the related administrative and regulatory proceedings. She also provided pro bono legal services to not-for-profit organizations focused on immigration, labor, and employment services, as well as gender equality. She will be called to the Ontario Bar in January 2021. Samantha has an entrepreneurial spirit, a knack for solving complex problems, and she is an advocate for equity and diversity in the legal profession. It's these qualities that led her to successfully found and organize the inaugural on-campus interviews, OCIs, for internationally trained lawyers and National Committee on Accreditation Candidates at the Ontario Bar Association in October 2019. Samantha is also a co-founder and the Director of Strategic Initiatives and Partnerships at ITLNCA Networks, a non-for-profit organization, and the founder and chair of the ITLNCA OCI Committee. For more information on ITLNCA OCIs taking place in early 2021, you can visit itln.ca and look under the OCI 2021 tab. Hi, Samantha. Good morning, Anton. Hi. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I I had heard about, and I mean, we're definitely going to dive right into the organization that you've managed to found and all the really sort of, I mean, trailblazing efforts that you've managed to put forth. But I, as many people now in, in the day and age of COVID, rely a lot on social media and LinkedIn, and I got to know about your organization a lot through that. So it's exciting for me to have you on because I know of all the great work you've done. Um, So before we get into all of that, um, it's always cool from my perspective to get a sense of you, the person, you know, part of my introduction to this episode and all the episodes I do is to try to get a picture of the person behind their professional title. Um, And so if you could give me a little bit of a background on yourself, sort of, you know, where, where did this all start? <laughs> what inspired you to want to get into law? 
um, where did you study and, and what sort of, how are you finding practice now? Um, that's a really good question, actually. So I um, am born and raised in Toronto, but I'm also an EU citizen. Um, my background is Italian. Um, so I think once I had completed my undergrad, I went to undergrad at U of T, I started working at Humber College as a student advisor for a few years. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I always knew there was something next. Um, I just wasn't really clear yet on what that was. Um, and I was looking at a lot of different programs and schools uh, throughout Europe, including the UK. And I finally landed on um, law school. I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't really know what that meant because um, I'm the first lawyer in my family. I'm also the first um, person in my family to go to um, university. So I, I didn't really have access to lawyers. So I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I knew I wanted the challenge. I knew I wanted to be somewhere in Europe. Um, but I didn't really know what being a lawyer meant. Um, so when I got into my school of choice, which was Glasgow University, um, I moved on over there. I got a job lined up. I studied and worked at the same time. And it was through my studying and my work that I did in Scotland that I started to explore what being a lawyer actually meant. And I started to get real exposure to that. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, it's, as you're talking, it sounds like we have a few parallels. Um, I went to U of T, for instance. Um, I'm from Mississauga originally. And I went, I have a British passport. So I went to the UK to study, to study law there um, as a sort of twofold experiment. One, to discover what is it like to study law as I, and I had this kind of ambition to be a lawyer, but also two, um, maybe I really like it in London. And maybe if I apply to law firms, I'll get a job there and live there for a bit. Didn't work out that way, but <laughs> um, yeah, very interesting. So now you sort of like let's jump forward a bit. You you went to the University of Glasgow. Um, you you explored and experimented with some work opportunities that gave you an insight into what it's like to be a lawyer. Because I think a lot of people who are studying law still, and I remember vividly, I still didn't really know what it meant to practice law. Um, and so you you find all of that stuff out, and I assume you make a decision quite quickly to come back to Canada to practice? Or did you give half a thought to staying in Europe or staying in, in Scotland? It was a real consideration for me. Um, it, it wasn't so easy uh, to decide to come back. Um, and it was something that I put a lot of thought into. Um, I had the opportunity to stay in Scotland and continue my legal career there. Um, Brexit was also kind of happening at the same time, so that was a consideration at the top of my mind. Not that I, not that I thought that, you know, I'd have to leave the, the UK immediately or anything like that, but I just started to think more long-term down the road about what that might look like for me and um, if the UK was really where I saw myself. Um, so once I once I graduated, I still continued to work in the UK. I, I had I had two jobs um, after graduation, so I was wrapping those up. I was thinking about it. I was speaking to my 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 mentors that I worked with and and my colleagues, and you know, kind of picking their brain about what they thought. Um, 
And I was also just keeping an eye globally on jobs. I was also um, interviewing for a few opportunities um, in Southeast Asia. I began interviewing with a few um, law firms in Toronto for, for staff positions, not lawyer positions. Um, and, and then the job at McCarthy's came up and I decided, you know what, this may be a great opportunity for me to um, learn about the Ontario market while I do my NCA exams, um, you know, start the, the process of transferring back to Canada and Ontario. And I took the plunge. Right. And it, it's worked out for you. Um, it's your articling there now, uh, correct? That's right. So I just finished articling last week. Wow. Amazing. That's a great accomplishment. So now you're ready to really kickstart. I, I mean, of course, when you're in Europe, uh, like I'm sure we both experienced it, like um, your, your mind is open to opportunities. Like you said, you applied to jobs all over the world um, because you get a little bit more global exposure than living in a North American bubble. I think that really adds and lends to to the experience of everything. Um, have you given much thought before we jump into sort of your your organization? Have you given much thought to the future or are you just focused on on continuing to learn in, in the position you're at now? Um, I think I'm I'm very focused on continuing to learn in the position I'm at now. I think um, I mean we never really know what the future holds, and I think more and more we're shifting globally. Um, but I, I really enjoy the work I do now, and um, I think there's something to be said about uh, building your practice in one place and getting that up and going. So I'm, I'm quite happy to be back in Toronto and, and, and to be um, in the practice area that I'm, I'm in and, and focused on that for the time being. Yeah, it's great. And I think, you know, when you're in law school and you're looking at applying for jobs and there's this sort of sense of uncertainty. And when you find it, um, it's really, you know, it's encouraging and you want to continue to to mine that and, and continue down that road. So that sounds great. Um, what about the ITLNCA, the, um, the organization that you are co-founder of? Um, mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could get into a little bit about what the organization is and sort of the genesis of it, where it started, why it started. Um, so we, we got everything formalized this year in terms of getting it registered as a not-for-profit um, and, and launching in that respect. But we had been working in this space, I'd say, um, for about two years and some of my colleagues for longer than that. Um, and we've been putting on events about education and um, getting, getting internationally trained lawyers from all over the world integrated into the Canadian legal market um, with tools better and, and faster is essentially what we're trying to do. Um, and, and yeah, so this year we, we registered as a not-for-profit. Um, we, we've organized our group in such a way that um, all the directors have their, their um, key areas that they focus on. My key area, as as you know, is um, a big part of what I do is the OCIs, uh, which launched last year, and uh, we're having obviously another run this year as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been good. It's been it's been very good. Yeah, no, and it's really impressive. Again, like I said, I 
I caught um, sort of a sniff of it in the summer when I started really looking into the organizations and, and what's out there for supports. Like I started this podcast uh, basically September 1st. And before I did, I did some research on who's out there, what are they doing? Um, and I came across your organization and it's what I was really impressed with. Um, and, you know, when we graduated, you know, a few years ago from the UK and law school, you would look at national Canadian law firms as, well, most would look at national Canadian law firms as an unattain unattainable goal, at least at the outset, because there just was no access. Fundamentally speaking, you heard that these these law firms hired from Canadian law schools only and to just look elsewhere, um, which was, you know, that's and, and until I discovered your organization and what you've done with the NCA OCIs, um, I thought that was still kind of the case, sort of an unsaid or unwritten rule in the, the legal job marketplace here in Canada. So let's get into like the NCA OCIs. First of all, what is an OCI for those of who are listening who aren't familiar? And what are, what are the NCA OCIs? How are they unique? So the OCIs are a 17 minute on campus interview. Um, obviously, if you are not attending a Canadian law school, you can't have an on campus interview. Right. So, um, I started thinking about this when I was, I was working in my staff role at McCarthy's. I, I enjoyed being at McCarthy's. I wanted to explore if there was a way that I could stay there as an articling student, how I would do that. I had no idea how the recruitment process in, in Canada and specifically Ontario worked, mm -hmm. um, with the OCI. So I started asking around and I discovered that this was the process that they used. You would, you would, um, enroll or apply through the law portal and if you were successful you would be invited for a 17-minute on-campus interview and if you were successful at that first stage then you would be in, invited to the second round which was in-firm interviews and and every firm kind of does that dif differently in there I think they vary in length and they may have their own format um, so so, and then beyond that, then you may be invited for a third interview or made an offer or however the firm chooses to do it. Um, and I, I immediately thought, well, am I eligible to apply to this? Because I, I was a, a self-study student. Mm. Um, so I wasn't even really sure if I myself could go on to VLaw portal and um, create an account and, and put my documents in there. I, I had no idea. Um, so again, I started asking my mentors, asking around, getting more information. And I found out that, um, self-study students are in fact eligible to apply. I just think no one had any idea. Right. Um, and then I further connected with some, some successful ITLs in my own firm. And I asked them what their experience was like. And they told me, oh yes, I, I applied and, and you can apply too, but um, you'll have to go directly, like, you'll have to be lucky enough essentially to skip over the, uh, the OCI interview and be invited to an in-firm. Mm. So that's how this kind of gap, if you will, was discovered in the system for internationally trained lawyers. And right. this is how all this whole project came to be. Right. So you, you discover that and then you think, well, 
how can I, or how can we as a team, you know, your team or people that you've spoken to and who eventually form your directors, how can we look to create something for ITL? So um, how did you do it? <laughs> like, did you have to approach law firms and say, hello, um, I'm, you know, my name is Samantha. This is what we're looking to do. Would you be interested? And did you get any uh, pushback or was most of the feedback from law firms, you know, open arms? Um, I think there was some of that, of course, because when you, when you have an idea in a sense, you kind of have to sell it or explain it yeah. or, or educate, you know, because some, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, didn't realize that this was, this was an issue. Right. Um, cause they're just, they're just not exposed to it. Or they're not thinking about it, mm. but it really was a joint effort between myself and, and Atricia Lewis, who is one of my great mentors and a venture now at the law society of Ontario and, and just a huge advocate for, for equity. Um, it was, it was really a lot of just her and I bouncing ideas off each other and, and talking to people within our firm and, and then, you know, spanning out to other law firms and um, other people who may support. And, and it just started going from there. I, I never really felt like there was any hard resistance really once we, once we kind of figured out all the moving pieces and, and knew exactly what we were presenting. Um, I really felt like it was welcomed with open arms. That's good. That's encouraging to know. I mean, and I think part of the reason why things remain so stagnant in terms of opportunities for ITLs is it's just that people aren't, unless there is somebody like you, Samantha, who, who's got a great mentor and, and somebody who's really progressive and like, and you, you know, you had to, in some ways, go and sell the idea to explain what they're missing. Um, until that happens, then nothing changes, really. It makes sense um, since right. things seem to be working. And um, sometimes there's a that sort of, you know, you don't even know you have an issue or a problem or something missing unless somebody shows you. <laughs> so right. good on you for doing that. Um, so that's sort of the genesis of it, how it started and some of your experiences in getting it off the ground. Um, getting into a little bit more of the specifics of things, Practically speaking, um, if I'm a candidate, and hey, I might be uh, personally, <laughs> what do I do? Like I hear this is this sounds great, and now all of a sudden I've been thinking, well, I gotta, you know, give my business card to God knows how many lawyers and hope for an internship. Now I did. Now I know that there's this NCA OCI process. What do I do as a candidate now? Right. So I think the first step is. Um, being very aware of the deadlines. Mm. So I would go to our website, it's itln.ca, and you'll see that there is an OCI 2021 tab, and that will give you all the information you need to know about ITL and CA OCIs. Um, the actual interview OCI day, which is the first stage of the interview process, is on February 2nd. Right. And, and this year they're gonna be virtual because of the current um, COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, last year they were held in person and that's usually how they go. They're usually in person. Mm -hmm. um, and who's to say what, will, what, what they'll look like next year? We're not sure yet. Right. Um, so that, that's the first step. Read all that information very carefully and follow the rules. Um, we get a lot of questions from people saying, 
well, why do I have to do that? Or can't I just do this? No, yeah. follow, follow the rules. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's, I would say, one of the most important skills as, um, as an articling student, as a, as a young associate lawyer, follow the rules um, and read carefully. So, so do that. Then the next stage is go to VLaw portal and create your account. And like I said earlier, um, you don't have to be enrolled in an LLM program. It's great if you are. It doesn't matter what LLM program you're enrolled in. Mm. Um, any program makes you eligible. If you're also a self-study student, you're also eligible. Um, but you may want to consider um, that these are summer positions. Right. Um, so there may be a gap of one year between your summering and your, your articling term. Um, but the reason that I think that this is so important is because this system, this, um, this hiring recruit really gives you the exposure to m as many law firms as possible. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, the informal recruits or the articling rec recruits tend to have less firms participating generally. Um, every year might fluctuate a little bit here and there, but generally less firms hire in the articling recruit than firms who hire in the summer recruit. Right. So if, if that's something that you're comfortable with and, and fits with you and, and how you see your career you know, moving forward, then I highly recommend that you apply through this process and see how it goes for you. Um, so that would, that would be the first thing. So go to, to VLaw portal, enroll, um, get all your documents uploaded in there. Um, you can also use our website. And I know Anton that your organization also held um, a, a CV workshop. Um, we also have some resources up on our website to help you prepare your cover letter, your resume and your CV as well. Um, so, you know, really spend time tailoring that and researching the firms that you're applying to upload your documents on VLaw portal, follow the remaining instructions on our website, which is to send us an email with your information and, and then that's it. And then you wait and hope that you get called for, um, an OCI. Right. Interesting. And yeah, you, you were touching on a few things like sort of anecdotal um, moments that you sort of experienced that I've also people have come to me and and sort of just sort of, you know, use me as a sounding board or <laughs> a right. bit of a gripe session saying, look, I practice law in, in, you know, India, Bangladesh, Nigeria right. for 10 years. Why do I need to do this? Like, you know, what's this like, how come people can't see that I'm, you know, already a great professional? I mean, unfortunately, um, it's just the way it is, right? Like there's so many people that have gone through it who are outstanding professionals already. Um, right. And they all tell me the same thing. And I'm sure you've heard the same thing and, and you've reiterated it here is follow the structure of the hiring process. Don't, um, you know, if, if people suggest that your, your cover letter be four paragraphs, make it four paragraphs. Your CV, Although you have so many years of great experience and, you know, maybe you've acted in or, you know, you've had a matter in the Supreme Court in India or wherever, keep that CV to two pages, you know, don't overdo it. Don't oversell yourself. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say don't oversell yourself. Definitely sell yourself. Yeah. And if you have, if you have those experiences of being before the, the Supreme Court in India, for example. Make sure it's there. Yeah. 
Definitely include it because mm-hmm. I've heard the opposite too of, um, you know, internationally trained lawyers who um, have all these really great skills and mm-hmm. are high level experience. And I think they feel like they need to water down their resume and right. then, and then they get, they get no interest because it looks like they've, they've done or achieved nothing essentially. Mm-hmm. So, so don't wash away your resume, but just tailor it and, and, it and yeah. yeah, that's right. And make sure that it, it fits what the Canadian standard is because it is important. Right. Yeah, that's a good, that's sort of a, that's a really good point you just made because um, people can take the advice of some that they hear from and even what I just said and say, okay, I'm just going to water it down. You know, I'll be vanilla um, and this is what they want. But what you're saying is actually, um, you know, keep it within the Canadian uh, requirements in terms of what you're meant to do, you know, but also make it pop with, with what really sells you as an individual. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So um, now let's, for people who have been listening and, you know, let's just run through again the, the most important dates that people need to keep in mind for the NCA OCI specifically. Okay. So um, again, go to our website because everything is laid out there step by step, but I'll walk, I'll walk everybody through it really quickly right now. Mm-hmm. So um this year, there's a two-tier deadline. All internationally trained lawyers, whether you're enrolled at an LLM program or self-study, you fall within the category of Group B, which means that your application is due via VLaw portal on January 25th, 2021 at 5 p.m. Um, and I believe that's Eastern Standard Time. All of once you're in VLaw portal, you'll see all the job postings in there. Um, and, and that's how you're going to apply. Call day is January 28th, 2021, between 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. EST. That means that our organization will be calling you on that day um, to, to let you know if you've received any interview offers and, and basically to confirm with you whether you accept your interview offers or not. Right. Um, some, sometimes the majority of people will accept, but there may be a case where someone has um, already secured an articling position. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so in, in that instance, they may, they may say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you hear from us, you know that you've been successful. Unfortunately, we won't be calling people who have not secured interviews. Mm-hmm. So if you don't hear from us, um, after January 28th, that means that you won't have an OCI interview. Right. Um, so have your phone ready on yeah. January 28th. Yeah. Keep it charged. Yeah. yeah, keep it charged, make our lives easy. Um, and then the actual OCIs will take place on February 2nd, 2021. And we'll take care of the scheduling and you'll receive an email with a schedule from us. Um, so, so don't worry about that. That'll be further into the future. Um, but you really should be using that time between the 28th and the 2nd of February to, to research who your interviewers are going to be, research the firm, um, prepare for your interview, essentially. And again, the interview will be virtual. So it'll take place um, 
via Zoom or TeamMeet or any other virtual platform that is out there, mm-hmm. that decision is left up to um, is left up to the firm. This year, the firms will decide which platform they they would like to use. Great. So after your OCI interview, if you're successful in that first round, in firm week will take place March 2nd of 2021. And you'll receive the the infirm call day is February 2nd, 2021. Um, And you'll be hearing directly from the law firms at that time Mm -hmm. about whether you will be um, invited to infirm interview week. And then offers will be made on March 4th, 2021. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So they they don't really wait around, do they? (laughs) They, No. They make decisions. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very um, it's a very fast paced process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important to kind of be aware of what's happening and when um, before you kind of start getting into it. I think it's a little bit more fast paced this year because things are are more condensed because of the pandemic. Right. Uh, but it it is quite fast paced. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. I mean, that that really you know even for somebody like me that really clears it up and makes it. Um, I, you know, you can kind of picture and envision your journey while you're while you're taking this NCAOCI process under under your belt. So, a couple of questions that I have, and we can just do a bit of rapid fire um, sure. to the best of your ability. Um, and some of them will be just purely admin <laughs> kind of questions. So, when <laughs> when I'm applying by the January twenty fifth deadline. Um, like, do I cater? Is it a general application? Do I submit general information and have law firms pick me? Or do I apply to specific law firms? Do I target the law firms myself? You target the law firms yourself. Right. So um, it, it's been a while since I've been in VLaw Portal. So things may have changed slightly, but I, I think I'm still accurate in saying this. Uh, there will be like a general landing page in VLaw where you enter your general information such as your address, um, your name, all that kind of information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's general. However, when you're applying to the law firms, that is specific. You right. apply specifically to the law firms. That means that every cover letter should be tailored to who you are applying to. Yeah. So this is a time-consuming process. Yep. It's because it sounds like January 25th, you got plenty. you got more than a month. Are you kidding me? you know, that's, that's enough time, but really now, you know, it's, it's useful to know that um, don't sign on on January 24th, thinking that you can just upload a one cover letter saying how great you are. In fact, if you plan on applying to five different law firms, you should have five different unique cover letters indicating why you fit that law firm, you know, that kind of thing. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's useful to know. Um, And how many law firms are participating? Right now we have um, 25 law firms and government offices participating. Wow. Um, that list will be updated on a rolling basis. So there may be more jumping in um, as, as we move along the process. Mm-hmm. So that what that means to applicants is just because you don't see 
um, a law firm or a government office on our list, on our website, doesn't mean you shouldn't apply to them. You should apply to every single government office and law firm that you have a serious interest in working at. Mm -hmm. Again, follow the rules on our website. Ensure that you include the little blurb on our website, um, which is, which is, you'll see here listed on our website, point two, put that in your cover letter, whether that law firm or government office is not on our list yet. And um, it may be that they jump in later. So, and, and even if they don't, um, you may still be invited to an in-firm interview. Mm -hmm. So um, apply everywhere, everywhere that you have a serious interest in working at. Right. Okay. That's good. That's also useful to know that you're not necessarily limited to just those 25 law firms. Right. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and again, another, another admin kind of question, are, are all these positions on offer available for in Ontario only? Yes, this is Ontario only. Ontario specific. Okay, good to know again. And yeah, um, yeah all right. Excellent. So before I move on to sort of closing um, with, with getting you to, to offer maybe a couple of personal anecdotes or insights into, into what made your um, journey a success in some ways uh, in securing articling yourself. Have we missed anything? Is there something um, that you think we should touch on or have we kind of covered most of what everybody should know about the NCA OCIs and, and the specific dates? I think we've covered everything. I mean, if, if there's, we're always kind of trying to learn as we go. So mm -hmm. if there's any blind spots here that um, an internationally trained lawyer notices as they go through the process, please shoot us an email mm -hmm. um, because this is all about education and getting information out there. So we welcome that. Um, and if you don't see something necessarily on our dates page, go to our, our video landing page because there's quite a few um, recorded resources there for you around, around OCIs. Great, excellent. And um, in in the in posting this podcast, Samantha, I'll make sure to put your website in, in the description so that people do know um, where where the, where to go. That's uh, great. Yeah, yeah and and so you know, like you mentioned, I had an event um, last week with the Toronto School of Management and BLG Gordon Landry Gervais, and we went over. Right. You know, we, we were lucky enough to have an internationally trained lawyer who's article going to begin articling soon. There, tell her tell us her story and how she secured articling and Angela Sorty, who's the head of uh, recruitment in BLG's Toronto office was there to explain what the expectations were in terms of cover letters, CV composition, things like that. I'm wondering in your experience, um, and, and you can even draw on um, some of what you went through, what do you think law firms place more gravity to or what what do they hold dear is it the grades on your transcript is it your personal experience in practice or for those who don't have practice what you know your volunteer work what do you think um is weighted more heavy in in when law firms make these decisions on who to hire and who not to hire I think that's a really good question. And I think generally all students and applicants are always dying to know that information. Yeah, secret key. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, I have to say, I can't really speak on behalf of any of, mm -hmm. of the law firms or the government offices. Like, I'm not a recruiter. Um, although I, I 
I have put this event together. Um, I, I don't make recommendations yeah. uh, to any of the, uh, any of the hiring managers or anything like that, but, and, and, and some firms, I'm not going to lie. Some firms will um, come out and say directly, yes, we, we do have uh, a grade cutoff. Um, and, and, and then beyond that, we look for, it's not just about grades, but then beyond the grade cutoff, we look for all these other things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some firms that will, will say, and government offices that will say, it's not so much about the grade cutoff, but we're looking for, you know, um, these types of skills or this type of person. Yeah. I think, I think generally, I think the best general advice I can give anyone is, um, just be your best self. Um, obviously if you're still in school, whether it be an LLM or self-studying, you know, get the best grades that you possibly can by doing your best. Um, we're not, we're not perfect. There's no way to be perfect. Mm. Um, and we all have competing demands. I myself, um, was working two jobs well in law school and worked all throughout my NCA, uh, self-study process. So, um, you know, I think, I think that speaks a lot to the applicant as well. Like there's so many, there's so many skills and, and pieces that you can put onto your resume from those experiences as well, including your grades. So every, every applicant is so unique and so different that I really don't know if they're looking for any one such thing. Yeah. And I think that it, it's why, you know, and, and I, to be fair to you, Samantha, it's sort of a, a question that's impossible to answer. And I, I, and I know that because anybody I ask, um, the reason it's such a question that people want answered and, and feel like if they could just unlock this piece of information, you know, they'd have such an advantage because truly there is no one answer. There is no secret key to unlock the one answer. Every firm has got different priorities from what I've heard, uh, you know, personally experienced and also, but one thing does prevail. Some favor, you know, some have a grade cutoff, some don't, some, you know, but what really matters a lot is your personal experiences and how you're able to relay those through your CV and through your cover letters. So it's why there's so much emphasis on, and you touched on it. It's why people say it's such a time-consuming endeavor to put these application packages together because they are really um, the one thing that everybody should be working really hard on. <laughs> That's true. And I, I can maybe say this this point to kind of differentiate um, mm-hmm. the way firms do things and government offices do things. We're going to have an info session um, in early January with the government office. So they'll speak more specifically to that. Mm-hmm. But something that should be um, kept in mind is the way interviews go um, are very different in the private sector from the public sector. Right. Um, so that may be something to take into consideration as well. But beyond that, it, I really, it's, it, it, it's more about self-discovery and really thinking about what your value is. Like, what is your value? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean, um, that doesn't mean I've heard some internationally trained lawyers say, um, or I've gotten feedback from from the law firms where some internationally trained lawyers have said in their interviews, oh, well, I have the ability to bring in international clients. Well, that may not be necessarily what they're looking for right. at the entry level position, right? So really think about what your what your value is and what skills you have. 
Mm, interesting. And I think that's a really interesting point that you touch on because I do, I can foresee quite a few, particularly those who have got years and years of experience abroad, um, trying to use that as leverage. But I guess the point here is to remind everybody, this is for a summer position. So right. don't necessarily try to rain make on your first day. Let's right. get, you know, get involved with what the firm's hiring and, and strategic approach to bringing people into their sort of, you know, quote unquote family is first. Right. That's right. right. Great. Well, um, Samantha, uh, I think we can wrap. Um, this was a really good conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time and making it actually quite clear what these OCIs are for, for NCA candidates and how they can, can you know, navigate VI law and, and how they can really apply to these firms and, and what they should focus on. So amazing. And like I said, I'll include your website into the description of this podcast so people can have easy access to it and, and look at all of the instructions that are really important to follow. Thank you, I appreciate that. And good luck to everybody. Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of really successful people that go through this process. And I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited for that. I'm looking forward to it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. And that does it for episode 25 of A Shot of Life. Um, I'd like to thank Samantha, obviously, first and foremost, what a great initiative she's undertaken with the ITL, NCA, OCIs. And uh, back when I went to law school in the UK, um, I would read on forums and look online and there would be so many people saying, if you want to work on Bay Street, forget it. There's no opportunity. There's not even an opportunity for you to be able to you know, even apply, get through the door, get your foot in the door. But now, um, thanks to Samantha and the work that she's doing, it's possible. Um, these OCIs were once seen as sort of privileged opportunities for domestic law grads only. Now, all internationally trained lawyers, and I would imagine a good, um, a good majority of the listeners of this podcast can take what Samantha's said here and follow the instructions and actually apply it yourself for summer positions. What a great opportunity. Um, if for nothing else, I mean, even if you swing and miss on the first go, the opportunity to undertake the application processes, to get together and have a think about what your application packages should look like, following the Canadian parameters required, um, is really a good test run for when you're looking for future work. Again, the sort of an ethos of this podcast is to look at the NCA journey as exams step one, licensing step two, and then obviously the most important step, gain full employment at step three. And this is just another opportunity for you to exercise those muscles that you don't use in the exams, getting together the application package, learning how to best put yourself on paper, so in your cover letters and things like that. So thanks again to Samantha. Um, I'm going to include, obviously, in this podcast um, description links and things that you should be able to follow, things that Samantha mentioned in the episode. So thanks again, Samantha, and thanks to everybody listening. And um, if, if you like the episode, if you like previous episodes, feel free to give it a like and a, a comment on Spotify or iTunes. Those things help. Um, until next time. We'll talk again.